Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, Part Two, they examine motives, our tendencies to judge others, and the dangers that lie ahead for God's people so all can have prepared hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose. And this series is called The Temple of the Mind, Part 2. And we are on program number 30. And the title is Thy Will Be Done in Earth as It Is in Heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And we are going through the Lord's Prayer. And this prayer... um, I don't know about you, Susan, but was in my, early in my recovery was very, very valuable to me because it's the first prayer I ever learned. Uh, I had never been in a church before other than, I think, my little sister's wedding. Uh, other than that, I had never been in a church until I got clean and sober mm-hmm. and started going to Narcotics Anonymous mm-hmm. at age 41. Mm-hmm. So I was, and I was scared to death to go into that church. And then after the, after the, uh, after the first NA meeting... We all stood around and held our hands, and we went through the Lord's Prayer. Right. And just the memorization of that alone, just the memorization of that, um, not really— Started to blossom or planted a seed? or Well, yeah, not really fully understanding what it all meant. Yeah. Other than the fact that I remembered this this Lord's Prayer, and there's— some pretty good sounding stuff in there, but I had no idea how deep it was. And I think, you know, if we're all honest, none of us really know how deep it, God's character and his um, His words and, and everything. I think we're going to have a lot of revelations when, yeah. when heaven comes or when things change. So. Yeah, so we're just scratching the surface of the, of the Lord's Prayer in this program. Um, speaking of prayer, before we get going, would you open with a yes, word of prayer? Yes, our loving Father in heaven, we are uh, grateful that um, your character of graciousness has a desire for us to draw closer to you, and you've given us this prayer as an example of of how to communicate with you in a, in a manner of reverence and in a manner of being able to, to read each line so that we can connect to you in a greater way and um, to see just how gracious that you are to us. And so we just pray that you will help us during this program and uh, be with us all as we continue to take steps to draw closer to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wrote down some bullet points here. Some I got some notes all over my page here, but, um, you know, God's will, and we we all wonder, you know, I pray for his will or I want to do his will. Um, 
this world and heaven are governed by certain laws. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there. It's just the way it is. We can't, um, we can ignore them. Mm-hmm. But if we ignore them, we get into trouble. Like there's the law of respiration. You can ignore the law of respiration. You can go ten feet deep into your pool and try to breathe. And what's going to happen? You're going to drown. You're going to drown mm-hmm. unless somebody pulls you out and restores you back into harmony with the law of respiration. Mm-hmm. You can you can ignore the law of gravity and step off the Empire State Building. And what's going to happen? Splat on the splat ground. on the sidewalk unless somebody restrains you from ignoring that law. Well, there's also a moral law that this this world is governed by. God actually put that law on stone, mm-hmm. but wants it written on the heart. Mm-hmm. Remember he said in Hebrews, I will write my laws in their hearts and in their minds. And basically all that law is, is don't take. Because mm-hmm. we're takers. Mm-hmm. Don't take someone's life. Don't take your mother and father's reputation. Don't take their stuff. Don't take their wife. Don't t- don't take their reputation. It's don't take. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to be givers, not takers. And so th- those. And if you if you follow Jesus's life, you saw that he was not a taker. He was a giver, a constant giver. Mm-hmm. So if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We we can become givers because it is a law of the human mind that 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 uh, we become like that which we worship and admire. Right. So when I first, I, th- I, th- I think that I knew the prayer from a long time ago, but when I very first really started to apply it to my life was when I first got clean and sober, and this whole part is, thy will be done. Um, there's another prayer that says, when we were in the 12-step programs, is not my will, but thy will be mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that uh, there was there were times where when I first got clean and sober, it was like, Lord, help me to be willing to be willing to be willing. To be made willing. To allow your will to be <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that um, we're praying that his will is done here because it's not being done here. Yeah. Yeah, he came that God's will might be done because and it's it not displayed, being done. And displayed to the human race and to the to the angelic host as well as to what's God's really what really what is His will? Because you know, back in the in the Roman time when the the, um, the Christian Church was under the Roman um, uh, oppression, their will, God's people's will, was that the Romans be defeated so that they could be on top. Mm-hmm. Right and be the rulers of this world and and we learn from Jesus's life that you know he came and he descended from glory to um, the depths of yeah to take part the, in that yeah. political oppression well and, and to not, the depths of becoming a baby in a in a care not a prince but into a poor family and so to show us what God's will is and so if you examine the life of Christ and especially the end days of his crucifixion and everything, you see a completely different concept as to what God is desiring mm-hmm. for your life. It's so that you, 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 you juxtaposed my will versus God's will. And I think it's, it's never more been more clearly stated than it has been in Romans chapter 7, mm-hmm. where, where Paul is fighting his own will. 
and he's describing, and it's his nature. See, and and so when you say not my will, God's will, because my will is always going to be to protect me. What's best for me? Yeah, at anybody Mm -hmm. else's expense, Mm -hmm. because I'm running on fear. Right, and so God's perfect love casts out fear, and if I would allow His perfect love to cast out fear. Now I can do his will mm-hmm. because I'm no longer protecting myself at everybody else's expense. And that's a concept that's easy to grasp, but hard to let into your heart. Right. So it's easy to understand it mentally, mentally. before to make that drop into your heart. That's been that's the, the hard. That's I, well, been, and I think that's the battle that we all struggle with yeah. is, you know, being willing to give until, you know, to death. That's mm-hmm. what Jesus did. He gave his life unto death to a generation of people that, you know, there were not that many people that followed him all the way to the cross. I wish I could, sometimes I wish I could almost pickle Paul's thoughts on a whiteboard, you know what I mean? Because he's talking, well, of course, the Bible has a lot of that in there, but he's talking in Philippians that, you know, I I run for the prize, but I'm not there yet, but I know I'm where I need to be. Right. But he knows he's not there yet. Right. And so he's the he's, same Paul that wrote Romans. He's the same have, Paul that wrote, that's so having he the battle. Knows he understands that struggle, and he knows that God is right there with him, and His grace is, for lack Sufficient. of a better term, it's making up for his deficiencies in regards to Paul wanting so bad to do the will of God, but he's still dragging around that old brain that remembers all the people that he harmed. And so you and I are doing the same thing, and, and a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, you're still carrying around that brain that has all those memories about how we all harmed people and how the guilt and the shame and all that stuff. And even though you know and you accept in your heart you're forgiven, those memories aren't erased. Right, and it's not even those memories as well. It's the fears that we face, Mm -hmm. you know, in the world today. Um, it You know, everything is, you know, perfect love casts out fear, which, which means... Anything not of love, which is what Satan's world is, is designed to create fear. Sure. And and this world is just full of fear. You can see how how we all act in order to protect ourselves, protect our money, uh, protect our property, um, you know, protect our reputation. Everything is so self focused and so self centered. Then yeah, and that's not the life that Jesus led. Yeah, I have in my notes in the in the back of this program, I wrote down the law of escalation. But I wanted to talk about that right now. What is the law of escalation? It's what's happening on this planet right now. Mm -hmm. If you believe a lie, that lie could escalate so much that a person could kill another person. Or that person would do stuff that they never, ever dreamed possible. What would happen if somebody docked, because we have really good photoshops now. People can really dock their photos up, right? What would happen if somebody showed you a photo, Mm -hmm. somebody you really trusted showed you a photo of me with another woman in a compromising state of some sort, and it was a person you really trusted, what would what would your and you believed it? You believed that that the, what would be my first move? Your first move, I know what it'd be. <laughs> it had, it'd start with a B. That would be you mean the four letter word? Yeah, the four letter B A N K. Yeah, you'd go to the bank, right? I may, well, I just could just could just do it online. You do it online, right? And transfer the so funds. So immediately, even though it was a lie, a falsehood, if right. you believed it, you would cause you to react. Right. Boom. The law of escalation. Right. Now, somebody that has created something is now escalated to where you've made a move, right? Right. Okay. And when that happens, 
you do that. How do I defend myself? No, this picture is doctored or whatever, but you believe the lie. Now I have to defend myself and try to prove, and it escalates and it escalates mm-hmm. and escalates. I mean, the Hatfields and McCoys, what happened? Right. Who knows what started the whole thing? Right. Might have been an argument over, I, I don't know. But see, and so that's the thing. It's like, that's what happened in the beginning. There was a, there was a, um, a lust for power from uh, Lucifer, mm-hmm. wanted that power, and then he began to tell untruths about God. And it and, escalated. And, and it escalated to where we are today. And I think that the, the worst thing that we can do as Christians, call ourselves Christians, yet don't represent God's character to the true character that he is. I think right. that that's something that um, I struggle with because— I know that I'm so far away in my daily life, I feel, at times, to be able to truly represent God because I allow my humanness to yeah, get in there and block, nature. you know, it blocks. it. So it's kind of like, so So then is it this way? You have a holy nature and then you have Satan's nature? Is that is that what it is? So you have a spiritual nature and the human nature. Is the yeah, human nature— carnal nature and a spiritual yeah, nature. The carnal nature is is overrun with selfishness and self-centeredness mm-hmm. and self-protection, and which is the total opposite of God's character, which is giving and loving and gracious and, and um, redeeming and restoration. Not that he needs it. He desires it for everybody else. So to have God's nature is to desire— graciousness and and redemption for the people we come in contact with whether no they matter do us what, wrong or not right regardless of anything regardless of race uh um what station in life yeah. whatever it may be to desire man, only woman, the best for them exactly yeah you know we've done entire programs based on the breaking down of the mind the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life Basically, the lust of the eyes being materialism, the lust of the flesh being sensualism, and the pride of life being egoism. And those are, those are good qualities in a human being that has those under control. Right. But when those get away from us, and especially if we've lived a long life with those uh, faculties of the mind running leading the us life. around, running right. the life, right. it is hard to, to keep that in check. And like we say, the the only way is to keep our eyes off of ourselves, off of our fears, and on to God, mm-hmm. whose perfect love will cast out that fear. Why? Because he promises it. Right. He promises his perfect love will cast out the fear. That's what we hold on to. But we are being bombarded with stuff to be afraid about. Well, and, and not only that, but it—, it everything that most everything that's happening in this world very subtly and sometimes not so subtle um, is driving us to more to our human nature than it is to the spiritual nature. I think that that you can see the, um, the condition of the world is just really worldly, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's 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 driven by human nature, by power, by passions. Yes, and passions and lusts and desire to be and power, or desire to be first, or whatever it may be, and that's totally against the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Matthew six ten. Mm-hmm. Um. So. The will of God is expressed in the teachings of his holy law, and the principles of his law are the principles of heaven. 
There is no higher privilege for man or for the angels of heaven than to know the will of God and to do his will. And of course, we, as like we just said, that will is to, will of God is to be a giver, not a taker. And in heaven, um, you know, it, I mean, it's not the spirit of legality. It's just when you want to, when you want the best for others above the best for yourself, that's not a legal, uh, that's not a legal religion. We don't right. have, we don't have a legal problem with God where we've got to be good little boys and girls. We have a health issue. We're unhealthy. We have a selfishness problem. We're infected with fear and selfishness, and the only way out of this mess is for God's perfect love to cast out that infection of fear and selfishness. It's not a legal issue. Right. It's the fear and selfishness that caused the sin condition. So God is not trying to forgive you for his sin, your sins, even though you are forgiven. He's trying to help you to to root out the sin that we harbor within our hearts and minds, which is what our our operating um, mode of operation is on a daily basis. Yeah, he wants to make us well. Right. Get to the root of the problem. You know, the alcohol mm-hmm. is a symptom of a problem of mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. The drugs are a symptom of a problem of fear. The an- lashing out in anger is the symptom of the problem of fear. And every every uh, substance or behavioral addiction on the planet is simply is simply an outworking, an outworking of, yes. of the root core problem of fear and selfishness and the effort to self-protect. Remember Adam in the garden? Where are you, Adam? Well, I was naked and ashamed and afraid, so I hid myself. Who told you you were naked? You're not getting that from me, Adam. You're not happy with you. And, of course, when God asked him what happened, Adam instantly gave Eve up Mm -hmm. and instantly blamed God. The woman that you gave me, Mm -hmm. there it is. The brain was now changed. Guilt and shame caused the human race to now blame others, for its own deficiencies, and to blame God for its own deficiencies. Which is why we see so much in Paul's writings about, you know, ha- let your mind be dwell on these things. Exactly. You, you need to be re- have the mind of Christ. Rewired. Yeah, it, everything, and and so that's, you know, it's not, it, it of course it has to do with what we do as human beings, but it really is the temple of the mind that God is trying to come clean trying to cleanse of the fear and the lies and the shame in order that we can be healed from this so that we no no longer held in bondage. Right, because it is bondage. I know when I'm the most unhealthy is when I'm blaming other people for my problems. Right. Or when I'm, it doesn't matter whether it's going on on the news or whether what it is, if I'm not happy with it and I'm complaining about it, that's when I'm the most unhealthy and the most unhappy. Well, and I think too, sometimes we can blame ourselves for things as well. There, I think that the, I think that there's sicknesses in in the world and in the mind and in genetics and just everything all wrapped up into one where um, it goes deep into um, mental health and and behavior and and it can go on go anywhere from. One spectrum to, you know, somebody who's poor to the spectrum of somebody who's a billionaire. Right. We, we all suffer this same, same the thing. same disease, the same desire of self-protection and, and the same uh, fear that we have that God is trying to root out from us. So I, I jotted down a, a, a phrase while you were talking about that, and mm-hmm. the phrase was inappropriate guilt. Mm-hmm. 
Sometimes we get confused and we hold on to inappropriate guilt, guilt that is not ours to ours to take on. Right. And does don't you think that God doesn't understand that we're struggling with all these issues? We're struggling with feeling guilty when we're really not, but mm-hmm. we, we misapply it, or feeling afraid when we're really not, but we misapply it. And God knows everything that's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, because I know with me, it seems like the more I pray, the uglier I get. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that, and, and, but God knows what's going on in my mind. Right. And, and, but it's like the closer I get to Him, the uh, just, I, Almost sometimes I, I can't I get sick on how selfish I am. Uh-huh. You know, it's just it's just standing but, but there. But that seems to be like you're you're on that round robin of looking at self, looking at right? I'm exactly. looking at myself. Right. So if you just decided, okay, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do the very best I can with the Lord's leading, and and try you know to focus on His goodness instead of your in, badness instead of my badness. Right. Yeah. But it's true. You know when you. When we are, you know, when we're focused on the most purest thing that has ever been, you know, we're going to have the the feelings of um, of filthiness and unworthiness. Unworthiness. Remember right. Isaiah. But, but I but I think that God says, you know what? Okay, so that's what it is. Um, the more you dwell on it, the more you become that, right? Well, you, yeah, because by you, beholding, you become changed. Sure, right. But you do see evidence of people that get get close to God in the Bible, and they do say phrases like, I am a man of unclean lips right. now that I'm close to God. Or, or Peter falls down and said, depart from me. Mm-hmm. I'm a horrible person. Mm-hmm. You know, so—, so it's nothing to dwell on, no. but, but you you know, you compare it yourself. Yeah. It happens, yeah. and you're, you, you get in a— proverbial room with God and we don't look too good, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And, and of course, that's... It, but I think that God's saying you don't have to look good. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. That's the part yeah. we don't get. Right. We don't get the fact that that it isn't about us. Right. It's about how he wants to just make us well. Well, and I think that that's the, the beautiful thing. You know, when we go into the prison, it's so amazing because a lot of times you go into the prison, we do prison ministries, and the women aren't maybe necessarily exposed to the Bible and all the stories and um, just the beautiful nature of who God is and, and how he restores and redeems us. And so, you know, it, it's it's great to go in and say, you know, in the beginning, man was with God. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the Bible, man is with God. But yeah. what happens in between? Yeah, man running from God and God chasing after man. Exactly. And, and it's, we're just continue to run from and, him. And with all those stories of men running from God, it no matter what, you see a, a picture of God who's desiring salvation of all of his wayward children. That's that's, that's the story of the Bible is how good God is to yeah, stick with us. Yeah, to stick with us and, and how, uh, you know, Hebrews 11 is not about those people in Hebrews 11. Right. Hebrews is about what God did with those people. Right. That Rahab willing to risk her life to save people, mm-hmm. to give for others. You know, Moses willing to risk his life. Say, take despite, me out. Of, despite of his sin of killing somebody. Well, yeah, he, yeah. He, God turns. This is, uh, this is evidence for the rest of the universe of how good God is. He takes a man who has committed murder, puts him in 40-year time out, and prepares him to go back and lead these people out of Egypt. And as he's leading them out of Egypt, they murmur against him, and yet he still comes to God and says, 
don't destroy these people. Take my name out of the out of the book of life because this would not make you look good if you brought them out into the wilderness just to destroy them. And so Moses was at this time more worried about God's reputation than his own reputation. And and so Hebrews 11 is talking about all these for lack of better term, scoundrels, that God changed their heart and made them givers and, and sacrificers. Right, and that should give us all, give every one of us hope that regardless of what our situation is in life now or the past or in the future, that God is a God that desires our restoration. That's right, that's yep. right. Um, you can get a hold of us, www.justasiamministries.com. Uh, send us an email. We have resources. All these programs are are on our website. Uh, we also have books. Uh, Could it be this simple? The way out of your prison and cleans seven steps to freedom. Drop us a line. We'll get them out to you. The resources are all free. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Our Father who art in Thank you for listening to The Temple of the Mind, Part 2 on Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Power and glory.